did Philip do? Why did he do it? Then problems in the early church and problems today. Or you could say challenges in the early church and challenges today. First of all, um, we are remembering or commemorating today the Apostle uh, Philip. There were two Philips in the New Testament. Uh, the Apostle Philip and Philip the Evangelist. Uh, the Apostle Philip was one of the twelve and the evangelist was one of the seven men who were chosen as deacons in the Jerusalem church. So it's Philip the Apostle we are commemorating today. Um, <clears throat> he's mentioned seven times in the New Testament and once in the book of Acts. And basically, if you summarize his life, he poured his life out uh, in love for others and was crucified at the end of his life. That sort of puts his life in a quick overview. Um, an apostle is one who sent. Uh, he was sent by Jesus uh, with the good news into the world. And uh, he, he's not the evangelist, but he evangelized. He evangelized in Palestine, in Greece, in Asia Minor, uh, modern-day Turkey, uh, perhaps even in uh, Gaul, modern-day France according to some legends. So he preached the good news that God had come into the world, uh, that he'd revealed himself in the person of Jesus of Nazareth, that he taught us how to live. He told us that God, he assured us that God loved us. Uh, he assured us that God wants us to be forgiven. He died on the cross for our sin. He'd risen from the dead. He ascended into heaven and he sent the Holy Spirit. And this was the good news that he took out into the world in those early days. And the gospel spread like an Australian grass fire on a windy day. Just went out into all the world. It was incredible. And uh, went all over the, the Middle East, all over up into uh, Europe and all through North Africa. And down into Africa to some extent and across to India. It was just amazing, and Philip had a, an important part in that process. Um, and that continued really until the coming of Islam in the 7th century, which was kind of like a big dampener on the whole of the uh, efforts of the church to evangelize the world. Um, we find that this is not just, it's not just um, Philip that's involved in this, it's, the, it's just the mindset of the early church. Uh, we read in, in Acts chapter 13 uh, where Antioch, the church of Antioch, our own church, sends out Barnabas and Saul. Uh, it says this, Now in the church that was at Antioch there were certain prophets and teachers. Barnabas, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted. Uh, if you look at the, um, the commentary in the Orthodox Study Bible on that where it says, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the word there is the same word for, they basically they celebrated the liturgy. They were celebrating the liturgy. That's how they ministered to the Lord. And they fasted. The Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Paul for the work for which I have called them. Then having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. So they were sent out as well, just like Philip and many others. And I was thinking about this. We've had this incredible lockdown uh, the longest lockdown in the world now in Melbourne. I wonder if I'll get that onto our number plates, car number plates. Uh, probably not. Um, and I was thinking, 
we, um, we are an apostolic church. We say in the creed, we believe in one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church. We are an apostolic organization, and we are called to be out there spreading the good news, just like Philip in the early church. So why did he do it? And why should we do it? Philip had been with Jesus, of course. He was one of the apostles, one of the 12 apostles. So he'd been with Jesus. He'd seen him in action. He'd heard him preach. He'd seen his love for everybody. And he caught that love for Christ. And for he'd probably seen the risen Christ, you know, when, uh, when Christ rose from the dead. 500 people saw him at one time. I'm sure at some stage Philip saw him um, in the upper room or with those 500 people or somewhere. And he knew that Christ was risen. He knew that Christ was risen. And this drove him. But it wasn't just that that drove him. Uh, he, just like St. Paul, in, um, we read in um, uh, 2 Corinthians where St. Paul says, for the love of Christ compels us. The love of Christ compels us. And the love of Christ compelled Philip to go out, at whatever the risks, and, and share this good news with everybody. And, and that was what drove him. And this love of Christ must also compel us, not just to have lovely worship services and um, have great fellowship and so on, but to fulfill our mission as an apostolic church to be sent out with the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is our calling. But there's always challenges, and we've had some big challenges with the lockdowns and so on. But in the early church, I'd say there were two challenges. There were internal challenges. There were external challenges. The internal challenges um, St. Paul touched on in his epistle today. It actually comes in a section of uh, Corinthians where he's dealing with a problem of unity in the church. Some people in Corinth were thinking that they were better than the apostles and knew better than them and, and so on and so on. And it was causing divisions, Apollos and Paul and so on. And Paul was trying to bring them back together. And one of his ways was to say to him, look, we're nothing we're, we're a spectacle, we're like the scum of the earth, um, but we've been sent by God to do this. And he was desperately trying to hold the church uh, together in those early days. Um, since then, of course, the church has split and split and split, unfortunately. Um, it's amazing, really. It's one of the proofs of God's existence, I think, uh, that the church is still here on earth after all the struggles we've been through over 2,000 years. But we are here, and we're still called to be the apostolic church. But the second challenge is the external challenge, not the internal one, but the external one. And um, this was Islam in the 7th century in the Middle East, which really stopped the Australian grass fire going through the world with the gospel and slowed it down incredibly. The miraculous thing is that the church is still there after 1,400 years in the Middle East. And the church uh, uh, still survives uh, uh, with great difficulty, unfortunately. Um, but St. Um, Philip, of course, he met opposition 
when he went out. All he wanted to do was share the love of God, bring people into the love of Christ, help them to know that they were forgiven. That's all he wanted to do. And yet, in the end, they crucified him. Why? Why would you crucify somebody whose only uh, aim is to love? Why would you crucify Jesus? Jesus is God. Jesus is love. Why would you crucify him? Why would you crucify Philip? Why would we have problems today in the church? Why is it going to be difficult for us? Well, I'm going to wander a little bit into local politics here, but you'll see why in a moment, I hope. Uh, because we are faced with um, external problems as well. In the book of Acts, there were 18, it's recorded, there were 18 severe persecutions recorded in the book of Acts. That's how the church started off its life. So we shouldn't be surprised if, we're, if we face difficulties as well. The early Christians had to pay a high cost for their faith in Christ. And um, I found this quite helpful. This is something you could say. Jesus paid the full price for our salvation. He paid the full cost. But we, the church, have to pay the delivery charges. So there is a cost for us as well. It's the delivery charge. Now, for those of you who are interstate or overseas or whatever, I'm just going to do a little bit of uh, local um, politics here. Uh, we're having some challenges in Victoria. Um, our Premier is trying to stop Christians employing Christians in their schools. Um, he's trying to stop us. He's got a bill called a, prohibition, a conversion prohibition law, which means that if we do certain things wrong, we can go to jail for two years. Clergy, parents, Christian parents, and so on and so on. You say, well, what? why is the Premier like this? Why is he making life so difficult for the churches at the moment? He claims to be a Roman Catholic, and he went to a Roman Catholic school when he was growing up in Wangaretta. But he flouts the church's teachings. He has brought in... He was the health minister when abortion was brought in. He uh, has flouted the LGBTQI agenda as far as the church is concerned. He's brought in euthanasia against a promise before he was elected. So he's flouting the church's teachings on these things. And I think it's more realistic to see him uh, as someone who's selling his soul for some reason, uh, which I won't speculate about right now. But he, has in, he is dealing with people who have certain beliefs. Now, another local politician is somebody called Fiona Patton. Fiona Patton came in under the heading of the Sex Party. And um, she got elected. Incredible. Incredible. Just shows where we're at in our culture at the moment. And now she's changed her name to the Reason Party. And you might be thinking, how can you go from the Sex Party to the Reason Party? Well, if you know your history, if you understand things like the French Revolution you'll begin to understand where the connection is here. At the height of the French Revolution, um, churches across France were commandeered and transformed into temples of reason. In Notre Dame in Paris, a provocatively dressed woman 
was enthroned as the goddess of reason. This is militant atheism. Marx was a great admirer of the French Revolution. He thought it was the best. And he based a lot of his teaching on that. Marxism is in our universities. It's in our Western culture today. Alexander Solzhenitsyn, he wrote this about Marxism. Within the philosophical system of Marx and Lenin, and at the heart of their psychology, hatred of God is the principal driving force. More fundamental than all their political and economic pretensions. Militant atheism is not merely accidental or marginal to communist policy. It is not a side effect. It is the central pivot. That's what Solzhenitsyn wrote. So what's the driving force behind everything that's having, happening to us in, in um, Victoria with the Reason Party, the Marxists? It's militant atheism. It is a hatred for God. And we need to understand that. And if this is what's pushing all this stuff forward, then we're going to have to pay the delivery costs at some stage. During the lockdowns, one minister has been jailed for having services. He was actually put in jail. So it's kind of started. So be prepared. Uh, and also the other thing that's on the rise is Satanism. Um, I read a testimony only this week of a Satanist who said his biggest religion, actually, was hating Christians. All we want to do is love people. All we want to do is help people to find Christ, to find forgiveness. And yet, because of their hatred for God and their hatred for Christians, we are going to have to pay uh, the delivery charge. So that's why Philip was crucified in the end, because of this hatred for God. This is why people around the world today are suffering for their faith, their Christian faith, because of hatred for God. One thing I just say here about the reason party, some people might say, well, the church is against reason, and I think Fiona Patton would argue that. Reason is, you know, overrides Christianity. But actually, she doesn't understand it. Christian faith is beyond reason. It's not anti-reason, it's beyond reason. Uh, if you want to ask me more about that, we can talk about that later. So what do we do in these circumstances, in these difficult circumstances we find ourselves in? Well, what did Philip do? He went on preaching the gospel until they crucified him. He kept going. He didn't stop. And what are we going to do? We've got to do the same. And when the uh, rich young ruler came to Jesus and said, what must I do uh, to have eternal life? Jesus said, well, how do you understand the law? And so he gave a very good summary of the law. And Jesus said, you have answered right. Do this and you will live. 
So this is what we have to do. We have to love God with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our soul, with all our strength, and our neighbor as ourselves. That's what we have to keep doing, whatever happens, and also sharing the gospel, the good news of Jesus, as St. Philip did. And it's not just loving nice people, um, and that's what comes out in the parable today. The uh, Samaritan was hated by the Jews. Uh, they, were, they were theological enemies. They, they hated each other. Well, and they did. They hated each other. And so Jesus very cleverly puts these two together and says, if you want to love your neighbor, you find somebody you don't like and love them. <laughs> so maybe between now and Christmas, we can find somebody we don't really like and love them. There's a challenge for you. <laughs> it's a Christmas challenge for this year. And the last thing I want to say is because Philip's um, feast day is today and tomorrow the Christmas fast starts, this fast is sometimes called the Philip fast. So you, if you hear people talking about the Philip fast, it's because the two things are so connected. The fasting leading up to Christmas starts tonight after, sun, after sundown. And then we fast for 40 days until uh, Christmas, until the nativity, when God comes into the world again. What great news. God came into the world 2,000 years ago because of his love for us. Wow, that is exciting news. That is worth sharing. That is worth paying the delivery price for because people want to know that. People want to hear that. Uh, you might not think they do. Some don't. Some have this hatred for God. But some do. So God has called us to be an apostolic church. We're sent out with this message. May God help us and strengthen us to do this. Now to God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, be ascribed to almighty majesty, dominion and praise, now and forever and to the age Oh.